The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. National championship or bust for Michigan this fall? We will discuss next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yes, Clark. Hey, hey, they said you can't be Ohio State. Now what? Brady gets terrific. Closer and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schimbecker. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. It is an episode that just two years ago at this time, I would have said there's no way possible we would ever tease this as a topic, as a theme for an episode, and yet here we are. It just goes to speak to the incredible metamorphosis, really, not just change. This has been a, a program metamorphosis for Michigan Over the last two years, since the end of the ill-fated COVID season, you go back to January of 2021 and Jim Harbaugh was looking for an NFL job that he could not get to potentially avoid the posse coming for him in Ann Arbor. Two years later, National Coach of the Year last year, Big Ten Coach of the Year this year, and for the second straight year now, Michigan will come off a playoff team returning 33 of the 44 players on the two-deep and about 70% of its production. Second straight year, 
Michigan has returned that much talent from a team that made the college football playoff. And this might be the most talented one yet. When you look at a backfield of J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum, that's the best offensive backfield Michigan has returned since when? Chad Henney, Mike Hart. Now we're going back nearly 20 years. It's been a minute. Frankly, it's not often that any team returns an offensive backfield that talented. This offensive line may be the best one yet. In the last two years, Michigan won the Joe Moore Award. The Wolverines, 11 deep on the offensive line. We've got a five-star recruit, Miles Hinton, younger brother of Chris, transferring in from Stanford. I don't... I don't know where he's going to play. I'm I'm not sure he's a starter. That was a five-star recruit. He might be one of the reserves this fall on the offensive line. Wide receiver, very talented room again. You look at defense. A lot of the key contributors on defense are back. Junior Colson, Michigan's best linebacker, will return. Maybe Michigan's best all-around defensive player. You look at the, the safety group that Michigan has coming back. Will Johnson came into his own. Yes, you're looking for a second corner now, but it's not like Michigan has not recruited well there. Pretty much the only spot on Michigan's entire roster right now that you are concerned about out of 24 positions is the second corner and who replaces the legend, Jake Moody, at kicker. They've got a young man in Tommy Doman who was maybe the top kicking prospect in the country who's been sitting there for well over a year waiting his turn. I mean, this this team's friggin' loaded. Did you look at next year's schedule? Doesn't look much tougher than this year's schedule was. Uh, a bunch of teams you'll beat in the non-conference. This gathering of group of five teams is better than last year's sacrificial lambs, but they're still group of five teams. You look at Michigan's schedule. Find me the game where you know right now they're an underdog. Michigan's going to be favored over Ohio State for the first time since 2018. Doesn't happen very often. The road game at Penn State, I'm a, I, I think this could be a special season for Penn State. I think we could see two Big Ten teams make the college football playoff again, except it's Michigan and Penn State this time instead of Michigan and Ohio State. That game will be on the road with a new TV contract. Pretty much guaranteed we won't dodge a bullet this time, and that will be a whiteout game for Penn State. So that's it. I mean, that, that game and Ohio State, you just split those games. You're probably in the college football playoff because you're 11-1 at worst, and your only loss was to another top-five team. Or you're 11-1, and and you go on and probably win the Big Ten championship in Indianapolis against the West. I mean, this team's loaded. It's loaded on paper. It's loaded in the coaching staff. The schedule is beyond favorable, manageable. I don't know. I mean, you don't say this very often about Michigan, but it kind of feels like national championship or bust. It it, it feels at least like national championship game or bust. And then, you know, once you get in there, you're going to play a Georgia, Alabama kind of a program that recruits at a different level than you. So who knows what happens, but at the very least, Michigan should be the preseason number two team in the country. When the polls come out this summer, let's find out what they think on the other side of the septic tank. We'll get the scarlet and gray view of things next.
Here he is, our good friend and maybe the world's only reasonable bucknut, the one and only Mark Rogers. Check out his outstanding channel right here on YouTube. Tons of great college football information year-round, stringers, correspondents that give you a lot of great off-season information, particularly, um, shall we call it, valuable information uh, as a certain markets uh, begin to open up here in the next few months. Good to see you again, Mark. How you been, brother? Steve, it's good to see you. Thank you so much for having me again, especially in the midst of basketball season. We can still talk some football. Oh, believe me, I am. I'm looking not to talk about the college basketball season. This is one of the softest, most disheartening Michigan teams I've ever seen. First and foremost, I asked you how you've been. We should mention for people that uh, maybe don't follow either one of us on Twitter or hadn't heard the news, we wanted to extend uh, our condolences to you and, and your family on uh, the passing of uh, your mother, which uh, I learned about following you uh, on Twitter. And uh, I'm a mama's boy myself, so, you know, I can completely empathize with uh, what your family is going through. On the other hand, for those of us um, with uh, with faith, it, it's a celebration at the same time of mourning. But uh, I definitely wanted to make sure uh, that the audience heard the news and uh, could issue uh, collectively with, with me here on the show just condolences and uh, prayers and well wishes for you and your family. Thank you, Steve. You explained it perfectly. Morning, going to miss her, of course, but there was certainly celebration yesterday as well. Amen. So let's get into what I opened the show with. And I, you know, I was just thinking to myself as I was talking about it, Mark, two years ago at this time, Jim Harbaugh was basically begging for a job in the NFL to get out of Ann Arbor before the posse showed up. All right. And, and then he was national coach of the year. And then he was big 10 coach of the year. So here we are. And this is the second straight year that Michigan is going to return 33 of the 44 players on the two deep of a playoff team. Right now I'm estimating about 70% of Michigan's production overall will be coming back. In terms of the offensive backfield, it's the best at Michigan I, I can remember in a while. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum. I actually think this offensive line, Mark, is going to be more talented than the last two overall. Um, it goes 11 deep. We've got a five-star recruit transferring in from Stanford, Chris Sitton's younger brother, Miles. Mark, I don't think he's going to play. Not this year, anyway. I mean, I think I think he's hitting the – I think he's, he's going to be among the reserves. Um defensively a lot of the key players are coming back um your biggest loss is mike morris at pass rusher but that's been a position that pretty much the entire harbaugh tenure they have found that they've put so many guys at that position in the nfl and and young guys like Derek moore who was a big time recruit Braden mcgregor who played incredible in columbus against ohio state and it's not like they're going to lack for players there i mean maybe you know who's the second corner going to be you know but They've got plenty of guys they've recruited there. They can go grab somebody in the portal. Maybe the biggest loss is Jake Moody at kicker, but the guy behind him, Tommy Doman, was maybe the top kicking prospect in the country a couple of years ago. The schedule kind of looks similar to last year. I don't know, man. Is it is it national championship or bust? Or is it at least national championship game or bust? What are your thoughts? Steve, you spit in the eye of the national media perspective at this point last year. And Steve, I trust you. 
I trust the metrics. I, I trust uh, your delivery on Michigan football and uh, where you stand. So I was somewhere in the middle because I looked at David Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson, that wrecking crew coming from both ends of the line of scrimmage at the quarterback and just thought Daxton Hills, one of the best uh, defensive backs we've seen in this program in quite some time. I wasn't concerned about the Hassan Haskins loss. All due respect to him because of uh, the dynamic aspect of uh, Donovan Edwards and, of course, Blake Corum. So the offense, I thought, was in great hands, especially with the upgrade to J.J. McCarthy. But I really thought that the defense would be, of course, good. But I really thought you lost that dynamic aspect. And I was somewhat in between you and the national perspective. Now we arrive with similar numbers or, as you put the framework to it, even a more compelling case that Michigan's going to be strong and the best team in the Big Ten and the team to beat and a national championship contender. When I look at uh, the rivalry, and of course, that's what it comes down to. It comes mm -hmm. down to the rivalry until USC comes into the league and proves otherwise it's still about Ohio State and Michigan. You know, this rivalry is now flipped for the first time since Jim Trestle went to Ann Arbor in 2001 and guaranteed a win mm -hmm. because like a lot of folks out there, I didn't completely buy into the first win, albeit for two scores and dominant fashion, big 10 championship. It all went together to a playoff. I had to see it again. And we saw it again by three scores this time. So it's Michigan's conference. They are the King. Um, and so this rivalry and the conference is flipped and, and Michigan's in control uh, you mentioned some of the NFL losses. Ronnie Bell should be noted as well. Um, very productive, great player, great program player. Will mm -hmm. play in the NFL, so I shouldn't necessarily tag him a program player, but not a superior number one threat. Caught 62 passes last year. Provides a lot in the leadership aspect. But Olu Oluwatimi, of course, uh, I sang his praises along with everyone else throughout the season. I just thought he was just such a phenomenal uh, addition. I mean, he's the and, first Michigan player to win the Outland. Consider that how many great linemen Michigan has produced. It's, you know, one of the linemen, you know, you know, linemen you in college football history. We never had a guy win the Outland trophy until he won it this past year. So that speaks to what you're talking about. Steve, it's a bit of a side note, but this Ayabi used to be a Nomi Oki. Yeah. Who, who of course has all this talent and and he falls from grace and has to climb back up the mountain and get to a huge program. I, I'm not really understanding his decision, but that's, again, a side note. I think it's because Biff Pogey is the guy that kind of resurrected his career and was a father figure to him and, and vouched for him to come to Michigan and basically said, this is my pet project. And when Biff got the head coaching job at Charlotte, I just think that there's a lot of personal loyalty there with those two guys. I mean, he's been a surrogate dad to that young man, I think. Now, talking about another freakish athlete, and this is going to be exciting to see unless you wear scarlet and gray, Will Johnson, mm -hmm. of course, just got into the rotation, just got into the field about a third into the season, and then they increased the reps, and then he really started to show us who he is, and wow, with another offseason and ready to go, he could be the best Michigan defensive back since, dare I say, 1997. Another number two. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, this team's it's so, it's loaded, Mark. It is, yep. it is absolutely loaded. And we haven't even discussed, really, the transfer class that they brought in. That's one of the reasons why. I, I'm not sure 
how much the five-star recruit transferring in Miles Hinton will play. They they went out and got a guy who was a finalist for the Remington Award to play center last year. This year they're bringing in a guy who was a semifinalist for it. Uh, they're bringing in another young man that was a captain at Arizona State, started, I think, 32 games out there. The the Nugent, the center I just mentioned, he was a captain at Stanford. So you can see what they're kind of doing here, guys that are known as team guys, culture fits. They're bringing those guys in. Um, I thought Ernest Hausman was absolutely the best defensive player in the, on the field for Nebraska when I was at the Michigan-Nebraska game earlier this year. He's coming in. I don't know for sure that he will start. I mean, Michigan's bringing back if Nihil Green, if, if Nakai Hill Green is able to play, they're bringing back their top six linebackers. If Hill Green can't play, they're bringing back their top five. You know, I mean, this team is friggin' loaded. It's as loaded as any Michigan team I can remember in recent memory. Steve, my one concern for down the road, not necessarily for this upcoming season, but I think we're both a fairly believers of the recruiting rankings. The recruiting has to get better to be elite. Agreed. On a consistent basis, unless they're just that sharp. Well, they uh, they had the they, one, this last class was below average. For me, I mean, it's basically a Wisconsin-Iowa level class. And I think two things happened. One, the head coach went and did an interview, thought he was taking an NFL job on national signing day. So that that essentially destroyed all your momentum in January and February coming out of the playoff. And the other thing that happened is Michigan was just very, very slow on the NIL front. Now, I believe imminently Michigan is going to be announcing a new standard on NIL, one that will reshape a lot of the country. Um, open collectives, open position group, essentially salaries. Um, and I think that they'll they'll get the NIL house in order here in time for the 24 class. But if you go look at the previous three classes, Mark, before this one, I, I absolutely believe in terms of top-level talent and culture fit, they're the best three classes Harbaugh has had and stacked together. And it's no coincidence that, they, they, that as a result, he's had the two best seasons he's had back-to-back. Now, Steve, <clears throat> when you do say national championship game or bust, you know, I remember you placing the Michigan program at a certain level back in 2019, mm-hmm. meaning this is the Clem- uh, the Clemson, Ohio State, and, and you went down the levels and where there was a precarious position for the Stanfords of the world had fallen off the wrong way. Michigan, what was going to happen with them? Well, they've answered the bell and answered the question, but maybe after three consecutive what would be uh, national semifinal losses, maybe the Buffalo Bills stigma sets in. Yeah, I don't know though that yeah. that hurts reality I, as as much as it does people's perspective of where the program is, and they can't get over the hump. So a year ago, I predicted that two Big Ten teams would make the playoff. This is the final year of the four-team field. We're going to have twelve in twenty twenty-four, and I predicted both Michigan and Ohio State would make it. Do you think we could see it again? But this time it's Michigan and Penn State. <laughs> well, I do think that Ohio State still significantly has a better roster than Penn State, but they don't they don't have a proven trigger man. But for anyone who's ready to start piling on Ohio State and putting them away for the season and not giving them much of a shot, of course, they have a run of quarterbacks who were unproven who have <clears throat> certainly mm-hmm. 
you know, met, met the task in C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins, and even J.T. Barrett to a certain extent. So they're going to have two potentially upper echelon quarterbacks, and odds are telling us, and with the talent around them, that one of them is going to be good enough to to be an Ohio State quarterback. Uh, I think it's more about defense, and it's more about becoming a defense that can play top flight defense against upper echelon opponents and something Jim Knowles didn't accomplish at Oklahoma State until he was ready to, you know, hit the door at the end of his career and tenure there uh, at Oklahoma State. So, um, yeah, Drew Aller's mighty impressive in the short stints that he's been on the field. And I know Penn State fans are excited and they have they have reason to be. However, the Ohio State roster is still a, a notch above. To that end, I went back and looked since Ohio State's 2002 National Championship. So we're going back a little over 20 years. The Buckeyes have only lost more than two games in the regular season twice. And in both of those seasons, they were in the midst of or coming off a coaching change. So, um, I mean, that's no, actually, no. It was just the interim coach year and then another year. That's it. Since 2002. Ohio, that's it. That's Ohio State's has only lost more than two regular season games twice, and one of them was with an interim coach. That's an incredible run, Mark. To, that kind of speaks aside to what you're talking from, about. Yeah. Aside from Luke Fickle's year in 2011, Ohio State's worst Big Ten record since 2004. Their worst Big Ten record, 7-1. and one. Mm-hmm. This is going to be interesting, though. I think Drew Allar, or is it Allar? I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, but. Wow. It's Aller. Thank you. I think he's the most important player in the Big Ten this year. Because Penn State is quietly, because because the amount of guys that Michigan brought back and the amount of talent that Michigan added from the transfer portal, Penn State quietly, Joey Porter Jr. aside, brought a lot of guys back too. Penn State quietly did very well in the transfer portal too. And they already had... Um, You know, they think they had in 2022 and 2021, they think they had their two best classes stacked back to back under James Franklin, right? So you got Nick Singleton and a lot of those guys in those classes, you know, Um, to me, the question is, 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 is Drew Aller. Is, is he ready? And the one thing I thought that they didn't do that Michigan did with JJ McCarthy, we saw Drew Aller more than Kyle McCord, obviously, but we didn't see Drew Aller the way we saw J.J. McCarthy. I mean, J.J. McCarthy still played at times in big games when they were on the line. You know, like he had a big-time throw against Ohio State in that freshman year, for example. Okay? We didn't really see Drew Aller do that very often. Um, We didn't really see him in situations where he was under center and in needing of making a play. And I think that was a wasted opportunity for Penn State this year, in my opinion. But – um, if, if he is able to play anything close to five-star, you know, I, I think you could see a situation where all three of those teams are sitting there in the, in the top five or six They're, All three of those teams are on the screen on the final day of the college football playoff ratings, you know, because they go with the list of top six. I think you could see all three of those teams on that screen. It's just a matter of what order they're in. Yeah, James Franklin did miss an opportunity, though, because for as much as there was criticism against Jim Harbaugh in the amount of 
passing in those early games with Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy trying to break him in in 2021 and also 22 to a certain extent once it was locked in on J.J. Uh, the same situation, although the the Jim Harbaugh brilliance and genius at the time was, and I was definitely on board, was bringing along J.J. McCarthy, getting, giving him substantial time against the three cream puffs. And then even once they went to Madison and had not proven anything as a team at that point in 2021, giving J.J. Uh, People forget he scored the go-ahead touchdown in that game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I just thought that that was worked extremely well by Agreed. Harbaugh. I thought that was one of his best coaching moves and handling of a situation. And then through the entire offseason and then into the beginning of this this past season and handling the Kate McNamara situation and being able to to prove that J.J.'s the better quarterback. I think for that year and a half, that was his best handling of any situation that I've seen as a head coach. I, I agree. And I think I think in all the preseason magazines, I think all three of those teams will be in the top six. I do. So I think half the top, the top six will be those three teams in the Big Ten East. And then Georgia, Georgia and another team out of the SEC, that's five. And, you know, I guess, you know, we see who gets ranked, you know, who's the sixth. There'll probably be a lot of debate about who the sixth team is. But I, I think half the big half the top six teams and all the preseason magazines will be those three out of the Big Ten East. So it'll be an interesting offseason, Mark. Yes, of course, with a nine-game conference schedule and having played eight games against everyone else, if you do the, or I guess it's seven games against everyone else, those three teams went 21-0 and 0 right. against the, the Big Ten, and we could see the same exact thing, and it's all going to come down to the, the three matchups against each other. Should be fascinating. Should be. Good stuff as always, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you on Sunday. Selection Sunday is 49 days from today. Will Michigan make the NCAA tournament with its zero quad one wins? 81% of you had the correct answer, no. 19% of you said, yes, I wish I had the hope that you have. But this is not a good team. It's not a fun watch. It's one of the softest Michigan teams I've ever seen, like Tommy Amaker era soft. It's just... It's a soft team. It's a tough watch. Doug McDaniel's starting to come on now. That's good, but he's also playing a year earlier than he should have because they've mismanaged the roster. It's just, I don't know. They're a tough watch. A tough watch. So my answer would be no. I mean, we're heading into February with no quad one wins. You know what? If Michigan manages to upset number one Purdue on Thursday, come talk to me. But and barring that happening, sadly, I'm going to be a no on that. That brings us to our feedback of the week from Otto Van Aaron. Can Michigan even make the NIT this year? My answer is no one should make the NIT this year because there should be no NIT in any year. It's an insulting sporting event. It, it, it shouldn't exist. I mean, the, the, next, the next four or eight teams in the NHL that don't make the playoffs, they don't have like a, we're playing for the Stanley Doily. We're playing for the Stanley Coaster. We're, we're, we're playing for the Stanley windowsill. No, they just go home. They sucked. They weren't good enough and try harder next year. The next four or eight teams in the NFL that don't make the playoffs, they don't play for the Lombardi coffee cup, the Lombardi pack of cigarettes. No, they, they go home. You suck. You weren't good enough and try harder next year. And that's what ought to happen here. 
68 teams make the NCAA tournament. If you're not one of them, you suck. Go home and try harder next year. There should not be an also-ran tournament. It's beyond pathetic. If I was the coach of a college basketball team, I'd never accept the bid. Wouldn't even let my players decide. I'd tell them, you suck. We didn't win enough. Go home, and we'll try harder next year. So, no. No one. I hope the answer is no, because no one should make the NIT. It's an un-American pursuit. And that'll do it. For this week's episode of Michigan Podcast, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, five-star review, share, follow, however you watch, like here on YouTube or or listen, like on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, whichever of those things applies on the platform and vehicle of your choice, help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. And thank you to all of you that have done that for us already as we are approaching 20,000 subscribers here on the channel. Incredible. So thank you very much for that. You can also follow us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan podcast there as well. Until the next time, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.